Hey, together friends and family, welcome back to your favorite marriage podcast. Uh, this is Kelly Bonniewell and Rachel Norton. Today, we had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Mike and Susan Tebos. Uh, they both have uh, adopted children and Susan's written a couple books on adoption and we get to talk about their marriage and we got to talk to them about their uh, adoptive process and just they gave us some really great uh, learning lessons through that journey. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton and Dr. Kelly Bonwell. So Mike and Susan, you know, I'll start with you, Susan. Tell us a little bit about your family. Um, let's start with how long have you been around Ada Bible? Um, we have been around Ada for, I think, 13 or 14 years. Would that be right, Mike? Yeah, I would think so. Basically, when the North Campus, as it used to be called, but now Knapp Street Campus, mm-hmm. when that started at Cornerstone was when we started attending Ada Bible. So we've been involved ever since, and we were, back then we were involved in Teardown and Discovery Village and uh, Bible study, and we still are, and um, leading small groups, and you're in a, you've been in a small group for what, 13 years? Or? He, yep, so I would say the guys that I met was at Cornerstone, kind of ran into one of the gentlemen across the aisleway, and he, he looked familiar, and he wasn't the guy I thought he was, but... <laughs> we connected and and so yeah, we ended up in a Bible study and we're still in Bible study to this day. So. That's awesome, Mike. Thirteen years—that's a long time. I know, and you sure hear about you being invested. You know, you're very invested at Ada Bible and involved, yes. so that's exciting. So, um, definite part of this church family. Tell us a little bit about your family. Our family has three adult children now. They are 21, 23, and 25, and they're all in the area. Um, raised through DV and Lifeline and all those good things at Ada Bible. Um, they are, all three of them were adopted from Russia. Mike and I went to Russia five times in five years. And it was shortly after we were married. So, um, yeah, they were infants and toddlers. And, um, yeah, totally unexpected. That's the part of our journey, I think, <laughs> that always amazes me. Um, that that God would use us in this way, and we didn't see it coming. Well, so. we have to back this up a little bit then. So okay. how did you two become an us? The us. And how long have you been married? Um, 27 years. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 27 years. November 24, um, 1995. I'm glad. he's. Yeah, he's got the dates. Um, <laughs> score. So, you Scored know, points, Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be fun because mm-hmm. I just recall us being friends. We... Uh, actually um, would fix each other up with other people we knew. And over time, like over a year or more, we would get together and sit out on my deck or something. And we would talk about relationships and just life. And somehow we got comfortable and I don't know, did something sneak up on us? I, I don't remember falling in love, but we did. Yeah. I yeah, mean, Mike, what's your version? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we fix each other up. We 
De- definitely always enjoyed each other's company. Um, then you went to Taiwan, and I yeah yeah I, I yeah it seems to me one time I came back late after <laughs> late after a date one time and realized that Sue was I mean like you say it was a fix up date and realized that I think there's something between you and I. Oh, and I, I didn't know you went out on a date it was before. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> this so might be a the, podcast first. <laughs> the couple had been setting the other person up, you know, because exactly. you had this great friendship, yeah. right? But then something was changing. You changing. knew it. So when did this occur to you, or did something happen that made this known? I think. Well, that's the big story. Is that Mike went on a trip, a business trip to Taiwan, and while he was there, he must have been thinking about me because he brought back a ring. And it's a very odd ring. And I brought it along with us today here. And it is a jade frog ring. I'll pass it around. <laughs> it's the real deal. And it's truly got a frog made out of jade. And I thought, that's an interesting selection. Yeah. <laughs> um, who wants to wear the jade frog ring? Um, but anyhow, we decided this was kind of a fun little opportunity to come up with like a little gimmick about it. So we told everybody, including Mike's parents, that this was the ring that said no more hopping around. Oh, oh that's funny. Uh, and it's the truth. We did. We told many people that. And um, that kind of made me start thinking he's kind of getting serious. You were getting serious. Yes, that's, that was true. <laughs> How old were you at this time? Pardon? How old were both of you at this time? Early 30s. Yeah, I was going to say early 30s, by 32, I would guess. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so he did that. And then I was in New York on business and I was at Saks Fifth Avenue downtown with a bunch of different people and we were shopping and there was a wedding dress and they were encouraging me. And I said, I'm not even engaged. And they were saying, you should buy it. You'll get engaged. And I'm thinking, this is so backwards, but I bought it. And then I had it shipped from Saks to Grand Rapids and Mike showed up at the door and there was a box at the door and he was standing there holding it. He didn't know what was inside of it, but it was the wedding dress. Oh, that's hilarious. And he goes, what's this? And I kind of feel like that was when he decided he better ask me to, I don't know. That's when he asked me to marry him. That was Close- a subtle, subtle way of her saying that. <laughs> I think I'm attracted to you. <laughs> I, think, I think she's on board. Yeah. 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 I guess it's mutual. All right. I'm going to yeah. go out and buy a wedding yeah. dress that to is- tell you I'm attracted to you. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Pretty and bad. this had been a matter of prayer for you. It was. Um, and I had, you know, we had dating relationships in the past and other things that, you know, you just kind of start getting smarter or mature and start relying on your faith. That's what God says. Trust me. And so I, I remember praying specifically as Mike, the one, and God said to me, I know it's not like a verbal yes, but I felt this yes. And I actually questioned God. I go, really? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just, I trusted God and it felt like it was, um, yeah, it was the right, he was the right one. It was the right thing. So here we are, 27 years later. So God knows. He he knew, I guess, what we both needed. Yeah, definitely. So now marriage isn't always hunky-dory. And sometimes <laughs> it has some complications. And one of the things that we're going to talk about uh, is, Susan, you and Mike are have very different personalities. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's something you had to adapt to and learn and grow. And actually most couples, they marry their opposite. Yeah. 
And so, uh, Mike, why don't you start? Uh, what, what, how was it like navigating that early in your marriage? I'll, being somebody that was always a pleaser growing up, I, you know, I, and, a, and a laid back person, it was easy for me to adapt to a situation. And so um, even though it's weird that I'm a business owner, because typically people think of business owners as type A, I am the opposite. I, I, I love to follow. And, and so when Sue and I met, she's a stronger personality and had ideas and I followed and whatever it was, I would adapt and find fun in what we were doing or, or whatever we had to work on, you know, help solve the solutions and stuff like that. But as we, you know, continue to grow, you know, Sue mentioned that Mike, you have to make decisions as well and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'd like to follow. And I mean, there was a distinct time that I always remember. She says, okay, you got to set up the restaurant this weekend. I set the restaurant up and she goes, are you sure that's where we want to go? <laughs> I said, All right, I had some learning no, myself. Growing pains for both of you. I yeah. said, well, yeah. you can make the choice and I yeah. will like it, but you yeah. wanted me to make a choice okay. as to where we're going. And she followed and we actually had a really good time on it. So, I mean, it's, I, my tendency is to have her make the decision, but she does appreciate when I do it. And I've realized that sometimes if she's questioning it, I just have to push through those questions because it was my choice this time. So, <laughs> wow, Susan, what's your thoughts about all that? Yeah, I, he is very laid back. We are opposites. Um, I'm very decisive and um, I think that's kind of comfortable for us too. It's not that this is a negative. We may be opposites, but that's complimentary as well. Like on mm-hmm. the color wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, it would get, where I would struggle is when he would have, if he wouldn't have a say in things that, you know, he felt I could decide in and it started to get heavy for me. Like I was doing the heavy lifting and not that he was doing this in a negative way. Um, it was just how we kind of morphed into who we were. And then we both had to start practicing to, um, you know, meet, me getting used to his personality, he getting used to mine. It was almost like we had to, um, I don't know, just adapt to each other. And I would intentionally pull back and Mike would intentionally step up. So I think we, there's that intentionality, if you will, that, um, we just didn't blow it off. We knew there was something that was creating a little tension. And so we had to kind of dive into that and, work on that. So. Well, I think when we're dating, we really like our opposite. Uh, again, most marriages, mm-hmm. polar opposites. So if that's you, that's normal. Uh, but uh, once you get married, you don't like, typically you don't like that opposite. Uh, for example, you guys are talking about being decisive, uh, you know, and or indecision. And, you know, you, Susan, when you were uh, uh, early married, you maybe slowly began to not like that Mike was indecisive and vice versa. Mike, you on the opposite. It sounds like you had had very uh, aligned values. Yes. You know, and so you were finding your way like to recognize each other's differences, but to Mm -hmm. kind of draw out um, something different in the other person. 
like help you get stronger where you were weaker, appreciating the strengths and the weaknesses. Right. But you know, the strengths and weaknesses usually are most on display when you hit a bump in your marriage. Mm-hmm. When would you say you came up upon that first like real challenging season in your marriage? Children. <laughs> uh, and yeah. all our listeners say amen. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you can have challenges in many areas, finances and all yeah. kinds of stuff. But ours was children. Um, we have a unique story. Do you want us to kind of oh, give definitely. the backstory? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Mike and I, um, when we stepped into international adoption, it was a little bit of a surprise for Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I had been praying for that what next in our lives. And so when I um, brought up the idea of international adoption, well, actually, there was an article in the Grand Rapids Press. This was 25 years ago. So um, that's when they had the press, right? And um, so uh, it was on Russian adoption, and there was somebody who had adopted in West Michigan. And I immediately was drawn to that. It was as if the Holy Spirit was like, this, this is a big deal. So I brought it up to Mike and Mike went, no, 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 no. Yeah. You answer how you sure. So, I mean, like Sue said, what's next? My, my, what's next was I was, I had a young company that was getting started. So I was focused on growing that company. So when the idea of um, adopting got brought up, it was, you know, the first line was, well, if God wanted us to have kids, we would have had them naturally. You know, that was my, that was my, uh, the quick, easy line, even though if, you know, in my younger youth, I would have thought we, I would have had the two kids, the white picket fence house and everything there. But as you got older into our thirties, then all of a sudden you start getting set in your way. So when Sue brought it up, I was like, Hmm, let's just keep thinking about it. And then my brother-in-law had an opportunity to go on a mission trip to the mountains of Chiapas, Mexico for a few weeks. It was probably two, I can't remember if it was two or three weeks there, but to work with a family, help them build a um, a building to, uh, that they could administer um, um, pharmaceuticals. I better not use drugs there. I mean, the, the positive <laughs> side good, of good. pharmaceuticals yeah. there. And, um, so we lived on the side of the mountain and this family, everything they own, their gardens, everything was right there. And so I started playing with their kids, you know, I took wiffle balls and a wiffle bat along and you got away from the hustle and bustle of life in America and just kind of went, wow, this is what it's all about. And, um, you know, people came back and said, oh, that had to be hard to adjust. I says, it was easy to adjust to go to that simple life. It was hard coming back into the busyness mm. that we live in here in America. And once I, you know, I mean, we adapt to it because that's how, that's the part of the world we live into. But I, I reevaluated and then came back and said, Sue, yes, I'm ready for adopting and starting a family. So, wow. So, how many mm-hmm. years had you been married at that point? I think two. Yeah, we married, nine, yeah, we, yeah, it was, we probably started talking, probably two and a half years because we adopted in 1998. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to lean into this a little bit because you just seem like you got a strong leading from God and it like stirred. What was that like for your marriage when you were so stirred and you weren't feeling this call yet? I think I I felt like I I pulled back and started praying Mm -hmm. more for God's leading in Mike's life. I mean, I was there. He wasn't there. And I, you know, you can't go forward in such a big endeavor without each other. And so we 
I, I, I prayed and this trip was a huge changing point for you. Yeah, it was. Yep. And then what was that like for you? Cause he came back and it's like, wow, we're on the same page. <clears throat> wow. I would say it just moved us forward. Um, and it happened quickly. I checked into some local adoption agencies and it was back then it happened very quickly. Like we did our paperwork and the, and looking back, our son was actually born while we were putting our paperwork in. So it was quite interesting to find that out. Um, so yeah, we, we adopted our first son in 1998. He was seven and a half months mm-hmm. and he weighed about 11 pounds. He was really small. He had mm. lived in um, a hospital after birth and his whole time. So nobody came to visit him. This was um, a, a city that did not have a baby home or an orphanage. So they had kids that were staying in hospitals. And so I just remember seeing him for the first time because we had a picture of him and, um, you know, Mike's hauling up this big VHS video <laughs> thing like the local news. And I'm seeing him and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is our son. It was the most... Um, amazing thing I had ever experienced. Um, not knowing anything else to compare it to. I, we hadn't had children through, um, you know, just natural naturally. So yeah, that was amazing. And then we did it again, two more times, but things kept changing. We did go to Russia one time, um, and had uh, an experience where a child, we were going to bring home a toddler and then we got home um, it was a two-trip plan. We got home and um, they gave the child to another couple. So sometimes we, we ran into these seemingly show-stopping events that would cause anybody to turn around and run and not do it again. And we just kept doing it. And we just kept following God's leading. Um, so the third one. And uh, yeah, so we did stop at three. although there's more story to that because we did find siblings over there and um just really quickly our daughter um has two sisters that were over there and we tried to go get them we found out that um they were in her paperwork and they were already adopted and i asked our agency could you help us find them and they said no russia completely keeps everything closed and I said, do you think you could help us by telling us a continent they were, you know, like, are they in North America? Where are they? And they, she said that um, they are in North America and I found them in three days. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, um, I knew which orphanage they came from based on our paperwork in our um, dossiers and so forth. And I knew their names. And so I went out in a chat room uh, for Russian adoptees and adoptions and um, asked who had adopted through this orphanage and five different agencies, you know, were, were brought up in the conversation and I reached out to all those and uh, we found the girls in Connecticut and they've been sisters together ever since. Wow. So. I didn't know that part of the story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've, been to, they've been to Michigan and hung out with us for a while and mm-hmm. we've been out to Connecticut several times. Wow. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you had this journey to both be on the same page about adopting and then this journey to adoption with, you know, mm-hmm. filling your family. 
How did parenting these adopted kids affect your marriage? So I kind of look at it initially, and I said, "Hey, they're 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 baby. They were. I mean, between the three of them, the oldest one was uh, 23 months old when we adopted. So I'm like, they won't remember their past. So as they were growing up, I we I raised them just the way I was raised and stuff, and until they hit their teen years, and then there was a lot of things that started coming out. Um, I, I related it more to technology. The kids have an access to social media at a young age, and this is what's affecting them. This is why they, they have way too much information at a young age. And, and Sue doing a lot more research, being an author, really studying and being connected to adoption goes, there's something more than just that. And, you know, started Dealing with, I mean, I, I'm putting words in her mouth, but the primal wound was a key book that she read and studied and started trying to teach me that side of, and I was kind of, okay, I can understand the concept, but I think kids are kids and stuff like that. And it took, that was a part where we kind of parented slightly different for a while until she had the opportunity to continually giving me the information and, and me starting to say, yes, that's starting to make sense. And I had to readjust my thought process and how we raised and how critical I might've been of the kids on why are they doing this? It's because of this and stuff like that. So Susan, what's your thoughts about all that? So what I hear too is, so the first like grade school, middle school years, those were Mike fairly smooth. Yes. I mean, tip. Yes. They were, they, I would say smooth as, you know, I mean, Sue was just amazing with her um, being involved with them. Hey, if they had challenges, she was reach, reaching out. Hey, what do I got to do for this help with education? Get connected there. And she, I mean, she just really went through that. And I was probably the old fashioned father that went to work every day and showed up for dinner at night and stuff there and hung out with the kids that night and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, and what were those issues that were popping up, uh, Susan, when they hit the teen years? Yeah, it's interesting how three. Children, um, all adopted different ages, had each some work to do on what happened when they were relinquished. So, backing up, when a child is born, you know, they're bonded and connected to the birth mother. And um, not only is that connection critical for their security, um, and there, you know that safety and trust. Um, once it's broken, um, it can affect a child in a number of different ways. And then they, in many cases, kids go either to families, like domestically, somebody will adopt um, a child at birth. Um, our kids went to orphanages, and what I found out is that it doesn't matter where what happened. To that child when they were, what age they were adopted, they could have been adopted at birth. They could have been adopted at three years old. There's, there's going to be something that lies under the surface that, um, will, will potentially well up in them or surface in the teen years. That's at least what I've discovered. Um, and we've got the experience as well with three different children responding in different ways. So with our children, we had one that was definitely carrying sorrow and grief 
Um, we had another one who was definitely carrying anger. Um, and another one that was really passive that you wouldn't realize that had something going on. And I'm not saying that all adopted children have extreme struggles. Um, it's, it's not about that. It's just that there is something that we have to be attentive to and intentional about in their lives that, um, that there's this extra layer beyond the normal teenage angst, beyond just the everyday, you know, upset about the prom shoes or um, can, I, <laughs> can I buy Nikes for the soccer, you know, whatever. Um, this is just something extra that, um, that can occur with adopted children. And um, we just have to be alert and aware and it does change your parenting style. When you agree, we had yes. to step up in a different way in order to walk with them on this journey. Walk me through that, Mike. How did that change? How did you change? How did Susan change? Um, I, I mean, pr- probably a lot of times I can recall pretty much with my morning devotion sometimes, you know, let's say the last night I got a little upset with the kids and Sue's trying to explain to me, you know, some of the reasons, you know, deeper down than just the out, you know, outward, um, circumstances. And, um, I would wake, you know, usually had to take a night of sleep to wake up again. And the next morning during my devotions, I just remember God as father and kind of had to kind of go, wow, if God responded the way I responded to me every time I made a mistake, mm. this might be a rough life and stuff. And just had to realize that I had to show grace and, mm-hmm. And start seeing the, um, that we, you know, I had to be a father, but I had to be an understanding father and not mm-hmm. a, t- you know, just hit the fist on the table and say, this is the way it is, fix it, you know, but to listen, to understand, to try to understand, see where they're coming from and stuff like that and be that, show more patience and stuff. I guess would be So that kind of pushed you to become a better father. And uh, did that help make a deeper connection with your kids? Yes, I think that doesn't always guarantee that. No, it's not. I mean, I, yeah. So I mean, with the kids there, we definitely created different connections. And yeah, each you know, like I think with any parent, sometimes you connect differently with each one of your kids in unique ways there. And and you connected with 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 Nikolai or 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 his son well, and in the biking and stuff there. So that was a you know he grasped onto a hobby that I loved. And so him and I um, connected while there and that's still, you know, and his challenge with Sue was, you know, that's where they were the ones that would butt heads and stuff like that. So I was the parent that could kind of keep that peace or kind of keep that relationship as parents to them. So. And I would say that in that situation, um, you know, you've got a 14 year old or I should even back up a 12 year old, a 14 year old, a 16 year old, son, this particular Mm -hmm. son, who didn't know that he was distorting our relationship. I'm mom, you know, but I think his anger was not so much geared at me. It was at his birth mother. There's this distortion that can take place and they can't put it to words. I mean, they were young when they they were separated and it's so pre-verbal and they don't know why these emotions surface. Sometimes there are teenagers who just have the emotion of sorrow, like I mentioned earlier. Um, For him, it was anger. 
And um, it's very likely that he was angry at his birth mother. Um, and, and not because he was like angry, like I'm, you know, mean or whatever. It was more just a why kind of thing. Like why, why did this have to happen? And they're not, none of our kids expected to feel these feelings. Um, these were feelings that surfaced very um, surprisingly to them. And then I think it surprised us as well. Yeah, I know yes, it surprised us as well. And so our, our hope is that, you know, by telling other couples um, about this, that even whether you have adopted kids or not, or foster kids, um, is that, you know, we need to step in to our kids' journey intentionally and be be that one-on-one, like you were with Nikolai. Be that one-on-one, you know, do something intentional. You're a mountain biker, Nikolai's a mountain biker. Our son is a bike mechanic today because of Mike. They have such a strong, fun relationship. And that's so important for Nikolai as he rebuilds his identity and takes a look at the past, you know, in the present and tries to um, resolve that. And I would say the same for our daughter. And, you know, she was grieving um, surprisingly um, to the extent that um, I would sit on the floor with her and just listen and accept that sorrow. And we're saying to parents out there, we need to get better at accepting our kids' sorrow and their grief. Don't question it. Just receive it. And we've lived through it. And when our, our daughter, she made an epitaph, I think that's the right word. She she got out her drawing materials and she wrote down her birth father's name. He had passed away already when we got, we did a search, had a search. We found birth mom, birth father had passed away and she had to grieve that and she did it on her own, lighting candles and um, writing this epitaph that in, in Russian and, and things that made sense to her, real tangible things that um, would help her m- move forward, but not to um, forget. You know, she always said, I don't want to forget. And she'd look at her, her veins and she'd say, he's a part of me, mom. I'm half him. I don't want to forget. And I think, oh my goodness, you know, I, I just thank God that he softened my heart and gave me the right information in the research that I did in order to meet our kids where they were at, because um, it could go the opposite way. We could have reacted and it could have been, you know, we could have been saying, I love you on one hand. And then they saw this other behavior that didn't make it feel like they were loved by, you know, the, the anger that can come with our parenting styles, you know, or just the frustration or the voice tone or whatever it may be. Um, so that's, I know it's a long way around your question, but. No, that was really good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we can learn from our kids. I think they've been our best teachers. They have been. What it sounds like the research you did really paid off and you learned to ask different questions, look at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And even when you observed that your son couldn't receive from you, that you as a mom made space for him to receive from his dad mm-hmm, for a while, like mm-hmm. that must have been a little loss for you, right? Like um, yeah. understanding, like you probably wanted him to receive from you sure, of at course. that time, but um, each child in each journey looking a little different, 
Now, uh, we understand that you're quite a researcher. In fact, you've learned a ton about adoption and you've stepped into a lot of other people's journeys and learned about their adoption journeys and even wrote a book. Right. Tell us a little bit about what led you to write this book. Why did you like, why did you write it? And then a little bit, a little bit about it. So this book is, um, again, uh, coming out of learning from our kids, um, and seeing what they might need that even we can't offer them. And what they, what I felt like our kids needed was to hear from other people their age. You know, mom and dad are not so cool when you're a teenager, let's face it. And so um, I, I started thinking maybe there's some other teens, young adults that would like to tell their story, be a mentor voice, be that... Um, be the, be what we couldn't be and 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 explain their journey and maybe even give advice along the way. So I wrote a book. It's called We've Been There: True Stories, Surprising Insights, and Aha Moments for Adopted Teens. And it's it's twofold. It's I love the book because um, for adoptees, it reflects experience from young adults who are just maybe a few steps ahead of them in age from all over the United States. So there's over 30 stories in this book. The stories are from international adoptees. They're from domestic adoptees and uh, people who are in foster care and adopted. So it's quite a range. Um, So again, international, China, Russia, Korea, Vietnam, Guatemala, Ukraine, you name it. There's the whole list. But they bring their stories of being, you know, teenagers, enjoying life. Um, They're not really that different in that regard from any other kids, but they have this little piece that they tease out that, that says, okay, yes. 100% of the stories in here say, yes, I experienced this feeling, this um, loss, this grief, this anger, this anxiety. There there was never a no, but there is a range of experiences. So while people out there might be listening going, I haven't heard my kids, you know, um, you know, doing any of this. Well, sometimes it's because they don't have the words or don't know how to communicate what's going on inside their heads and their hearts. So what I did is I collected these stories so that it's, well, backing up a little bit, it's kind of like a chicken soup for the soul, you know, for adopted teens. We kind of jumped in and did that so that um, adoptees ages, I would say 15, 16 on up, even into, um, you know, young adulthood who read this, who who get it, their hands on these stories, will find themselves in the story. So I interviewed these people. I sat down for coffee, lattes, um, front porches, Zoom meetings, you name it, and um, they just they just shared, and um, they just said to the future reader, "We get it. We know what you're going through." You're not alone. They said, please listen to these different perspectives that are not your own and be open to what we have to say. Be open to the healing and listen to some of our advice 
And then the adoptee who has been reading this can, you know, at least I've recognized this is that they feel seen and heard that when somebody gets it, you feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone in this journey. And the, the second part of this is for parents like us, you mm-hmm. know, that we're kind of sorting this out, teasing it out, trying to figure out, is this just regular old puberty stuff that we all go through or is this something extra? And when you read through the stories, um, you, you look at where parents show up in these stories. Like there's a guy named Derek and his dad and somehow we're talking about dads a lot this time. Yay, dads. <laughs> Yay, dads. Um, but Derek's dad just really showed up in that relationship. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you know, lifting weights with the guy, training for a marathon, um, having one-on-ones, just talks about spirituality, about relationships, about girls, whatever. And Derek's story is in here. And just Derek being, looking back, when he told me the story he was 25, he says, looking back and realizing how important his father was in his life, and it made such a difference. It was like a soft landing place for some hard things Derek was going through, and I just love that. And Derek also tells us in the story, it's a little spoiler alert, but when he was getting married, his dad was his best man. Mm. Oh my goodness. It was just lovely. So for parents, it's just, here we go. You're going to find out what's going on potentially in your child's heart. Um, This is conversation starters. You know, you can read through the stories Maybe you'll find one or two that you think might be important for your child to read. And you might put a little post-it note on it and say, hey, this might resonate. And um, that might get a conversation going that you never would have had before. What a great resource, Susan. When you told me about that book, I, it's, a, it's a unique angle in looking at adoption because you're capturing the children or the adult child's voice. And uh, so with that, Mike, big question for you. You're the guy who didn't want to do any of this. (laughs) And uh, and now uh, how how Mike, how do you think it's positively impacted uh, your marriage with Susan and and obviously how it's positively impacted your family? Because now you've got a a mountain biker who can go out with you now, right? Yes. So that's one positive with Nikolai. Yep. And he can fix my bikes now too. So, (laughs) so yeah, I mean that it's been a, been a journey with her writing this book and it was, I mean, it's been a God inspired event because I mean, it's, it took her a while to find the direction she wanted to go. She She knew she needed something to write and, you know, proposed it in different ways. And then all of a sudden the idea of telling other kids stories hit and it just, it, it was just, it was a fun journey to be on the sidelines watching her process this. And, and I mean, she had to hear some tough stories and stuff. So some days she, I mean, I, she felt her emotions and stuff. So there were days I could tell she had a tough story. She had to write. And then other, other times the exciting part of it and stuff like that. So it was, it was a cool process, and obviously, it was good for me to realize that okay, we're not alone in this whole situation here with our kids. This is 
goes across the board and parenting is kind of what it is. And I think it's great for the kids to read that as well to realize, hey, we're not the, I, what I'm doing here isn't so weird. Nobody's ever heard of it before. It's kind of what happens. So, And perhaps often they feel like they're the only one in their world where right. this is a part of their story sometimes. Yeah. I was sharing with you earlier, Susan, that I have some dear friends who've adopted and three international adoptions. And I know one of the, the things my friend Joni said is before we adopted, we never heard stories about these kind of challenges. They just were not on our radar. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, Mike, let's start with you. If you were to sit down with uh, some newly adoptive parents and they were just starting to notice some of these challenges, what kind of encouragements would you share with them? I would, yeah, I mean, I can give them my history of, um, hey, I didn't learn this quick enough, so I had to kind of do it the hard way a little bit. But now to realize that there is another layer there than just teenage and puberty there's that the adoption piece of it you know i i guess watching some babies and then you know i say natural birth babies and realize how quickly they learn mm-hmm. you know i watch you know and like okay boom they learn how to grab this they learn that my thought process as oh they were too young when they got adopted they, they don't remember i'm like oh no they learn a, they're a huge sponge that with a lot of stuff was learned early on and so there was this stuff they learned that got taken away from them. And like Sue says, they don't have a voice to say that, but there was a emptiness in them that they were had to um, reconcile in them, themselves and stuff. So as newly parents, be aware of that, just that, hey, that's going to be coming there and, you know, look at it through a different lens than just, hey, they're just Kids, they're just kids. They're no, they got they got one they got one other layer there, but it's a special layer. It so. makes space for mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, that's and, awesome. And then the other part is is they don't have your genes. So I mean, that's another area that I always said, hey, okay, I got a I got an open book here. I don't have expectations. You know, hey, I like this and like that, but our kids are you know they don't have the same genes, so the odds of them liking the same things are slim and stuff like that. So realize that. They might do things differently and think slightly different and stuff. So Awesome. How about Susan? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I tell a couple with adopted kids? I would say examine your own expectations and try to hold those loosely mm-hmm. um, because you want this child to become who God created him to be. And that may involve a few ups and downs along this journey. But if you stay the course and they sense your love and through your actions, your intentional actions, that um, they will, um, in, in most cases, they will um, shine and show their resilience. And um, you'll be a part of that. It's, it's very fulfilling from that regard, I think. That's great. So uh, here's the fact that uh, our spouses are a blessing in our lives. And sometimes we realize that, sometimes we don't. Uh, But uh, in reality, they are. And even in your story, you know, uh, Susan, you were wondering, oh, should I marry this guy? Or, you know, (laughs) and and now you have, you're married 27 years. Uh, That's that's amazing. Uh, Mike, Tell Susan one or two things uh, that you love about her and why she's so important to you. No, that was a, that was an intentional pause. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Mm. She's physically beautiful. I'm going to go with the easy one right there. So there, (laughs) but I mean, just by the time she put into that book, because she cared so much about our kids and for adopted kids, she also cares for me that much. I mean, she she has a a way of looking past herself and knowing the needs that I like. I mean, she and and for other people. So she just has an incredibly caring heart that she spent a lot of time helping others and you know helping me and, and knowing some of the needs that I have and and willing to sacrifice herself to fulfill those needs, I would say. So that's, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. special part. Well, thank you. That's mm-hmm. a good answer. Wow. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we can take that one. Yeah. Take that one. yeah. Susan, do you uh, have a thing or two that you love about Mike? Should I dab the little uh, tears <laughs> yeah. out of my eyes? Right. Um, thing or two. Um, so this hasn't come up, but he's super funny. I guess the, the hopping around ring. The jade rings should have clued me in how funny you are. Um, and I think being funny is the very, um, uh, it leaves, it relieves tension or it just, it, it's, it's a connection point. <laughs> and he does really well at that connecting with me because again, I do have that. I don't know what personality I'm, they call it type <laughs> A, but you know, just driven and he can take that tension away by just being himself being funny. Um, uh, I think also we respect each other. Um, and that is a hard thing to do sometimes in relationships and respecting each other, our differences, um, you know, is it really, it really matters and it's made a difference in how long we've been together Mm -hmm. and we've had, you know, like anyone, you have your ups and downs here and there. But to go on this journey, I would say I'm thankful I went on this journey with you. Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and little did you know all that God had in store. We had no idea. Right when that ring came your way, <laughs> like all that was on the other side. And no. when that dress showed up, you know, when you were there, that right. wedding dress right. just there on the step. And God just yeah. continues to tell a beautiful story through your marriage and through your family. We're just grateful to get this time with you today. Mm. Thanks for having us, you guys. Yeah, so this is nice great to be with you. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Wow, that was a great episode with Mike and Susan. Uh, learned so much more, and this is this season is been uh, we've had now two uh, episodes about adoption, and uh, it's kind of a theme we're running with this season. Uh, wanted to make sure to mention also, uh, Susan wrote "We've Been There." The it's her most recent book, but she wrote a Another book a few years back uh, called Before You Were Mine, Discovering Your Adopted Child's Life Story. Another very unique book uh, in terms of looking at adoption. Definitely recommend you get both. Uh, But hey, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And again, uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. That really helps. And another big thing that helps is for you to rate and review the podcast at gets us more listeners the more ratings we have and uh we just hope you have a great week and uh so thankful for you to listen today thanks for listening to together we hope you've learned a thing or two if you find the podcast helpful please go to apple podcasts spotify or your listening platform leave a comment and give us a five-star rating 
If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.